0: I'm Jess.
1: And I'm George. And I'm the Jesus Friend. And I'm the lawyer friend.
0: And this is Transpantastic,
1: a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between them. Do you see me looking at you like, I hope I remember the words? (laughs) Good job.
0: Good job. Oh, and we are having a conversation today about male privilege, something the three of you have been privy to and i get to watch it happen (laughs) it's weird as fuck (laughs) so i think before you got here we were having a conversation about exactly what does that mean because lawyer guy here
2: i want a definition what do you mean by male privilege what does that mean what are we talking about
1: that was your question for us You had some more specific possibilities. I think it could mean a couple different things. It could mean
2: simply being treated differently, but I don't know that that's necessarily privilege. Being treated differently in a way that gets you something, a benefit from society that you wouldn't get otherwise, is how I would define male privilege. But it obviously, or or potentially, could involve more than that, I suppose.
3: Right. I think it's where there's, there's a class of people that have... Automatic trust, automatic rights, automatic um, right to not be questioned that other people in society as a class don't enjoy.
0: And so to then bring that back to your definition, lawyer friend, the sense of what benefit or what gain is to be had from that, a lot of times it's just the lack of daily aggravation that allows you to devote more of your mental and emotional resources to obtaining whatever it is that's going to make you happy in life, status,
2: finances, or other... I think I would agree with that. Of course, I'm... I'm trying to take my lawyer hat off and just be a regular human being, but it's hard these (laughs) (laughs) days.
1: Your hair will still be shaped like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) His brain will still be shaped like that. I noticed
1: that when we started talking earlier that you have the lawyer hat on, and I certainly have the same hat on that that I went to school for. so.
0: So who would like to start with their first example of dealing with or interacting with or being benefited by male privilege?
3: I can start with a brief one. I was um, about 10 years ago, I was applying for a job in a government agency that had just been created. It was a management job. It involved a higher average pay than one usually sees in the mental health field and a lot of responsibility. In the I,
1: mental health field and in a government agency in yes, the mental health field. Yes.
3: I applied for the job and they told me that it came down to two candidates who were equally qualified and who both had the same level of experience, who both interviewed just as well for the job. And they wanted to do second interviews with those, just those two candidates. One was me and one was a woman. And I knew before the second interview that I had the job simply because I was a male. Given that all other things that were equal,
1: what did you think of it at that time? I mean, some water has gone under the bridge, and now you're sitting here with two trans guys and my gender queer wife, so you know this is a different different it's, perspective. What did you think then about the fact that you knew you'd get that job? I was
3: glad that I got the job because I wanted the job. It felt strange at the time that it was so automatic that I knew that. The job was mine before I walked into the interview. And it just felt strange. Um, And of course, I felt a little bit guilty that I was going to win the job simply because I was born into a male body and that the other candidate was not going to get the job simply because she was born into a female body and she was competing against a male.
1: How do you think you came to that awareness that this is what was going to happen? Because I don't think that most... Guys like yourself, you know, in the position of the time period you grew up in, you know, you're a taller white guy, a straight guy, and... Um,
0: you have a shit ton of privilege, and you are really aware of it now, but...
1: Most guys are not. There were two factors that,
3: that prepared me for, for knowing that I had that job. One was I read a book by Malcolm Gladwell called Blink, and in that he talks about actually heights privilege that taller people are afforded uh, more privilege than shorter people. And so that was one of the things that that informed my thinking going into that interview. But secondly, even though I'm a Jesus person, um, the organization that I've been involved with for the past 30 plus years has historically pressed very courageously into issues of diversity. And as we have done that, we have been forced to face issues of privilege and racism within our own cultures and subcultures. And sometimes those those interactions have been very painful and filled with conflict. Where white members of the organization had to answer some pretty difficult questions from our members of color um, about our behavior and about our assumptions. You know, for example, you would Have a large group discussion on the issue of racial reconciliation. And after a couple of hours, white members of the group would say, Well, okay, it's, you know, it's time to take a break and it's time to go to bed or something like this. And the people that were there that were people of color would feel, well, angry. And they would say, You have the luxury of leaving this conversation. We never do. And those kinds of painful conversations helped me be a little more courageous about looking at privilege as a tall, straight, white male. And that gives me just about every privilege that our culture affords.
1: So I know we're going to talk about a couple more examples of that for me and our lawyer friend as well. But you, you mentioned to me the other day that it will be interesting for you to have now two guys, two trans guys' input on the change in our privilege status. And we were just talking a little while ago about the same thing. It'll be just as interesting for us to have your input on the same. What do you think about what we've noticed? The thing that, that continues to just hit me over and over again
3: is how unaware we, we must be Actually, if we're male or tall or white or straight, we automatically enjoy the benefits of being members of those groups. And because it's automatic and because we've never known anything different, because we've never experienced as a male what it's like to be a female, as a white person what it's like to be a person of color, etc., We're just simply unaware. And so as I've listened to your experience, it's a strange feeling because I feel surprised and shocked and troubled by the stark difference in the experience between a male member of our society and a female member of our society. The differences are many and they are significant. And as a tall, straight, white male, I was simply unaware Mm-hmm. of right. the daily, as, as Jess was saying, the daily struggle just to survive, just to go about your life, just to be allowed to have an unquestioned conversation with someone or to be allowed to well, not wear makeup and not be considered angry or something like that. It's crazy.
0: It is. And so it's really good that you're now aware of that and able to, as I've seen you now, Work from that place of privilege to do what is presented to you to work as an advocate on behalf of underrepresented and discriminated minorities.
1: And you can do the same thing there, and and likely are going to do that, that you did for the person of color that worked with us when you would go to meetings with her at the office and represent the same things she just said, and everybody would listen to you when they weren't even hearing her voice. And you can do the same thing as a tall, straight, white guy with other tall, straight, white guys who you talk to and are in circles that that our lawyer friend and Jess and I are are never likely to be in the circles of.
3: I was a mental health manager in a government agency that had the power to remove people's children from their custody. And we were tasked with providing therapy services toward the goal of helping families stay together. If we would get a referral for a non-white client, the descriptions of those clients' attitudes and behaviors was often different than the white clients. And we got a referral of a Latina mom, and she was described as not caring about her children, as being a liar, as being manipulative, and not working her case plan. I assigned our Latina therapist to the case, and within the first few minutes of the interview with this Latina mother whose children were in foster care, she found out that none of those descriptions were even close to accurate. And we discovered that the well-meaning young white caseworker had grossly misinterpreted this Latina's behavior and attitudes. And we didn't hold it against her at all. We understood that it was a, an honest mistake given that she was white and that she was young. And so we set up a meeting with her supervisor and her to go over the case and talk about how we could work with this Latina mom in light of how she was actually feeling um, in regard to her case plan and her parenthood. And when we started the meeting, it was me. Uh, my Latina therapist, the social worker, and her supervisor, I asked uh, my therapist to describe what had happened and um, where the miscommunications were in, in the case between the mother and the caseworker. And over the course of a few minutes, as my worker described what had happened, she had eye contact with the other two people in the room, and they listened politely to her, now, it should be noted that these two people in the room were professionals. They were not racist. They would not identify themselves as racist. We would enjoy having our children play with their children. Um, these were two people that you would like who were doing their level best to do a good job and do right by children and their parents. These were fine individuals who had made a gross error. In they
0: were blind to their own. Yes, yes. They didn't even realize that they were discounting your Mm -hmm. therapist.
3: They didn't. And or this Latina mother. And even though they they might have even had in social work school, they might have even had maybe entire classes or workshops on cultural competence. They um, were still rendered completely culturally incompetent by a number of factors. And so as they listened politely I could tell that they were not really hearing what my worker was saying because she is Latina, she's darkly complected, she has a great deal of indigenous blood, and so she bears that
1: appearance.
0: She has very thick features. She's very
1: smart. She used to say uh, she was uh, used to always being perceived as... um, Indian um, Maria. Indian Maria. Yes. Yes. And I didn't know what that was. I had to look it up. But that was her experience in life.
3: Yes, and if she if she ever tried to be assertive um, about what she absolutely knew about a case, she was perceived as aggressive, mm-hmm. as angry, as having an agenda or an extra grind. It was very difficult for her to work for justice for our clients because she herself was perceived in that way. So what happened in this meeting? was my worker described what had happened and i as carefully as i could try to um, remember her words how she described the case how she described what had happened between the worker and the mother and after she finished talking and there was no response i started talking to this worker and the supervisor and i tried to use my worker's words i tried to say exactly the same thing that she did as best as i could and from the moment I began talking, the responses were, I was getting these huge nods, wide-eyed responses.
0: Oh my gosh, and, I can't believe we did that. I'm yep. so, I feel so bad about having treated this woman this way. Thank you for explaining it.
3: Thank you very much. We, we will certainly change our posture toward this, this client. And, um, but they were very grateful and they were, they were remorseful.
0: And all you did was echo what,
1: your worker had said,
3: "Yes, yes, I simply echoed what she said as a white male
1: so this is this is how I see it in the sense that you do find yourself in circles of other tall white guys, straight white guys who i'm probably never going to hang out with and You will have that influence because you are aware.
3: We had another case of a a Latino man who was a single parent of 12 children. And um, because he had. Poor guy. (laughs) Yes, because he had children and 12 children, because he was overwhelmed, because he worked in a restaurant job where he didn't make a lot of money, the host of white people around his children, teachers and other people, concluded that he was an unfit father and that his children should be. Rescued from his care and placed in foster care, most likely separated into white foster homes.
1: Separated because there were so many of them. Yes. And Nobody
0: wanted to foster twelve kids at once.
1: And nobody's probably licensed for that. No. Ah, uh, fair enough. Yeah. Let alone damn want to. <laughs> I
3: went to meeting after meeting after meeting with um, the people that were responsible for case management of that case and asked over and over and over again, in what ways does this parent present an unsafe home? In what ways is he abusive? In what ways does he neglect his children? In what ways does he merit having his children removed from his care?
1: Was this also our co-work, my co-worker's client? Yes. Okay.
3: yes. And we had to attend meetings for six months before the attitude toward the case was finally changed, and um, he was provided resources rather than legal action against him.
0: People are stupid.
3: People are not stupid, but
2: they are ignorant.
0: You're much more charitable than I.
2: <laughs> I just have to say that as a lawyer, that scares a bejesus out of me. You hear things like this every now and then about how ingrained in our legal system these things are and how judges react differently to defendants of color versus white people. And the story that you just told when you're talking about starting the process of taking someone's children away, essentially based on, and like you said, the the thing that's almost more scary about it is these are good people trying to do the best that they can, but yet it's so ingrained, they don't even realize it themselves. That makes it even more scary to me because it makes it so much more difficult to stop. The overt racism, that's easy. You know, we, we already have things
1: to deal with that. Teenager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's probably coming down to do his <laughs> evening chores.
0: Hey, hey, teenager.
1: He's trying to be quiet. He
0: is trying to be quiet. But um, are, you, are you getting ready to do your chores and such? Can you save dishes and any kitchen chores for the morning? Alright then then you can don't
1: you feel happy save those
0: for the morning please because otherwise it'll make background noise. I appreciate your alterations to your schedule on our behalf. Thank you.
3: Would be after a couple of years I I I would always say you know, if you were if you were a black person, so,
0: say, say, save it save that it way. till we are done hearing his feet steps going up the stairs, which we probably won't hear because he's pretty good at walking it's,
1: quiet. It's he expensive. walks he walks like you do.
0: I but had to learn to walk like the that.
1: noisiest person in the house is our number three child, who is also the smallest person in the house. <laughs> the smallest? She sounds like an elephant. I've heard of elephants. <laughs> that and, that yes. is how
0: that is how I used to walk when yeah. I was little. Though,
1: she'll come up behind me and startle the crap out of me because I'd never heard her coming. Oh no, yeah. So.
0: But I had to t- train myself to walk like that. And I, I'm probably not going to cut this because here's another example of privilege. If I were a dude stomping around, nobody would question it. But because I was a chick stomping around in middle and high school and people were like, what the heck is wrong with the way you, you walk? So Why are you so mad? What is wrong with your feet? You never learn how to walk right. What is up with that? I trained myself to walk more quietly, and I didn't think of it as a gendered thing at the time.
3: Why can't you act like a lady? And
0: see, that's the thing. Nobody ever told me ladylike. They just said, what is wrong with your walk?
2: That's what they meant, though.
0: Oh, and I didn't realize it because I am so oblivious to gender. I didn't even think about the fact that it was unladylike. I just thought, okay, if I want to get by in culture that I'm stuck in, then I guess I should learn how to step without making sounds. I'm not allowed to make my presence known quite so much as it wants to make itself known.
1: Well, it does astonish me with our youngest child because she is the smallest person. Mm -hmm. I do ask her to stop on occasion, mostly because the second floor, she's up there jumping or something, which is more a jumping kid thing than it is a person of her size stomping around thing. Mm -hmm. But the light fixture in, in the ceiling right below that Rattles the whole time. Hey, hey, hey! Stop that, please. <laughs> Before the light falls out of the yeah, ceiling. If it falls out <laughs> right. of the ceiling. You don't know how to fix that yet. we <laughs> have to do it. So stop. Yeah. yeah. Before we have to call an engineer to fix the structural damage to the house. Uh, yeah. So, I don't have any idea if you remember what you were going to say. Now that we've Something interrupted. You oh, you, you,
0: have, you were responding to it in terms of the legal. system. I was system. talking about the legal system because yeah. I don't,
2: I don't deal with kids either personally or professionally. So. I lucky, had some colleagues that <laughs> yeah I had some colleagues that were in that line of work and I remember working with other people slightly about it so that's that's a perspective that is really sort of eye opening I guess you ought to assume that it happens I don't know why I never I just never thought about it before I guess
1: it, it's that childless privilege the childless happened. privilege
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. it totally is Who has another story about – did you ever deal with in your courses or in your employment dealing with that sort of somebody else is going to say what I said and they're going to get the credit for it? Or all those things that like when you were just trying to be just a person and then you'd get told don't do that, it's not ladylike or don't do that, it's not appropriate or –
2: I was never told, don't do that. It's not appropriate. I remember one particular time was pretty funny because it happened in a deposition and it was actually on the record is I was taking a deposition. It was actually a sexual harassment case and there was- This was pre-transition? This was pre-transition. So I'm presenting as female and there was a male lawyer that was defending a co-defendant in the same case. And we were taking the deposition of the plaintiff who was female- And the male lawyer gets done with his part of the deposition. And I remember it's funny to think about it. It's funny even at the time. I, you know, kind of picked up my stuff to move closer to the court reporter and closer to the microphone. And instead of saying, hey, Frank, move it, I say to the court reporter, would it help if I get closer to the microphone so that you can? And Frank, the male attorney, actually. Called me out on it and he said, Would you look at listen to how nice and polite that was and everything? Instead of saying, Hey, move your ass. (laughs) (laughs) And we all had a good laugh about it. And it's hilarious because it's in the deposition transcript. But I really realized at that time, I was like, Well, holy crap, you know, because Hmm. being conditioned to not speak directly to somebody, Hey, move, I need to sit next to the microphone. You know, you do it indirectly by asking the court reporter, Would it help if I did this? Would that be helpful to you? and that kind of thing. And so I I remember that one in particular
1: was pretty... Do you think you would approach it differently now? Absolutely. What would you do? Hey, Frank, move your ass. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he would take it from you. And and he would. Yes,
0: he would. Whereas, you know, if I say, hey, move your ass... Then
1: it's a
2: problem.
0: It would be a problem. It
2: totally
1: would. Well, and I think we can come up with a, a lot of stories of this, but one of the differences, which is probably along the lines of male privileges in those interactions of what males can say and what females can say. I noticed that even the neighbor guy, you know, next door comes out and my wife is there and he says something polite to her and I'm shoveling snow and he gives me crap right away. <laughs> in in a jest jesting way, he would never give her crap, but he just gives me, hey, why don't you turn on the heat lamp so you don't have to shovel, right? <laughs> that kind of stuff. And, uh, Male society, yeah, and having not grown up in that male society, I'm getting used to that. Like it's comfortable for me. It seems familiar, but I'm not used to it because I didn't get to participate before. So I'm always kind of stunned and like, what do I say to that? Because I, like I, I haven't participated in this before. You know, so I don't have funny. a comeback. I don't have a. a I've way experienced of doing exactly that.
2: the same thing because you're right. We don't get that conditioning, and you don't get the. And I've watched other guys do it. I played on an all-male hockey team as before transition even. And it was funny to watch them interact with each other especially when they didn't know I was there because th- there was a lot of that going on. But if you don't get to do it, you kind of, it's a skill almost that you have to learn. Yeah. And I remember the plumber came over to fix my toilet that I accidentally broke. And he asked me for a, for a wrench and I didn't have one the size. He said, oh, you don't have one that big, huh? And I kind of looked at him. And he's like, yeah, I show up in 30 seconds. I'm making small dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So that, that absolutely happens all the time. It's funny right. you mention that because I've experienced exactly the, the same thing. And I don't know, it's not a male privilege thing necessarily. It's definitely a difference in treatment. Cause I have definitely experienced that men treat you differently, much, much differently, and act differently around females than around when they're just with other men. Does that would... mess with your head that you get treated so differently and it's it's astounding, actually. And it is amazing. You may not it is.
0: consider no. that privilege, but I totally would, because for me, that feels normal and natural to be, you know, crack and dick jokes and shit like that. And I have a couple guy friends at work who mostly treat me just like one of the guys. And um, I've told George about this one guy, our custodian, a couple times, you know, they'll say, Tavo to the office, Tavo to the office, Gustavo, come to the office now. On the PA system, like three times in a row, right after school. And he's walking through my room to get there. And I say, Man, I should become a janitor. Girls be calling my name all the time. <laughs> and he laughs, but all these other people would just be like, The hell is wrong with you? <laughs> and, you know, that's just the natural bent of my thought processes. But to have a naturally accepted way of expressing that is a privilege for males to just be able to say shit like that. If I were a dude and I said that to Tabo, all the guys in the room would be laughing.
3: Yes. Yep. It's a strange thing. It is. So
0: you don't consider it a privilege cuz that's not your natural <laughs> inclination.
2: Uh-huh. Well, uh, well, uh, you know, I don't know, it's interesting cuz I was thinking I was trying to think of something to say for this podcast other than yes, it's a thing. <laughs> And I was looking back on, you know, trying to think of examples with particular stories and things like that. And I'm a fairly oblivious person anyway, and so a lot of times I will vouch for you. <laughs> yeah, so you guys can agree to that. I,
0: I dated this guy for five months. I will be happy to admit he is totally oblivious. I, I knew you
2: were going to say that.
0: <laughs> and, and,
2: and it's true. And so there's a lot of times that I think that I really just didn't notice it before. There are other times that I did. I mean, there are certain things that you do do differently, like uh, the guy mentioned <laughs> on the, That you do do. The do do do. But the guy mentioned on the one article, you know, things like just walking home at night alone, something that I used to do, but I did pay attention because I knew that I quote unquote shouldn't be. And now, like you said, other people cross the
1: street to get out of my way. And this was an article that we were looking at a little while ago. And
0: it will have just been posted prior to this episode dropping. As you are listening, if you are listening, the links to these articles have recently been posted on our social media. So look us up on Tumblr or Facebook, and we'll probably put a link in the show notes also.
3: Right. So so lawyer friend, you know, you we've been talking about you know, these vast differences between presenting as female versus presenting as, as male. And I said, does that mess with your head? Can you...
2: Talk a, bit, a little bit about that. You know, it used to, what used to really amaze me was when I did play on the hockey team and, you know, we all obviously had the same uniforms and eventually you get all in all your gear and you can't tell one person from another practically anyway. So it happened not all the time, but on a somewhat regular basis that the other team members wouldn't realize I was there because they just, they literally did think I was one of the other guys because you can't recognize somebody right right off the bat when you got the full face mask blah 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 and just the difference in how they interacted with each other when they didn't think any females were present was really astounding to me to just to see how much men change their behavior based on whether they think a female is present or not was really amazing and they
1: they have they don't even consider that why they change their behavior no and that that is a privilege you don't have to consider that wow
0: yeah, yeah, it's, women it's have sort of to like consider that. all the
1: time. We I, always I do, that.
0: and it doesn't matter whether we're around other women or other men or whatever. There is an implicit expectation that we are consistently policing our behavior, or else somebody else will start policing it for us.
1: Which is why you, as an attorney at a deposition, had to be so polite, right? Because and that was exactly like just
2: said. There was no way as a female I could have got up and said, "Frank, move your ass," because that would have gone over like a fart in church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I did what I did, which was I indirectly you know, went about it, and we all had a good laugh when Frank called me out on it, actually, mm-hmm. about how absurd that was
1: mm-hmm.
2: to have to do it that way. Mm-hmm. The difference in how men interact with each other when they don't think a female is present is kind of, in a way, they're sort of self-policing also their behavior because of how also men are expected to act towards women. Because they never treated me that way, the way they treated each other. Like you said, your neighbor starts giving you shit right away, but would never ever do that to Jess. And same thing when they knew I was present and they were talking to me or whatever, then it was definitely a different treatment.
0: Well, thinking of that, when you and I were first getting ready to move in together and you were moving out of the house that you were living in when we first met, your male neighbor who had known you all this time as a butch dyke. Yes. And as the man in your previous relationship. And can you hear the air quotes around that? (laughs) You know, because everybody tends to associate in queer relationships that there will be a more masculine and a more feminine partner, regardless of whether or not that is actually the case. He saw you as, quote, the man. And so when you told him you were moving, he says, Oh, you dick.
1: No, wait. What happened is I didn't tell him and there was a sign outside that the realtor came and put while we were gone or something. And when I came out, he he called me a SOB or something. And I was like, wow, I never get that. I, I mean, I felt actually kind of privileged that, that he was being honest enough with me, but it was because he's like... You can't even fucking tell me? Right, you the bastard.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was just giving you shit because he saw you as a masculine person.
1: Yeah, and he did. And I was like, wow, that's cool you know well, like true, you yeah. said you, you felt
2: privileged that he that I, he said that actually that he treated you that way and that he was honest with you
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think that was one of my first inklings that you might be heading towards transition
2: Ah. which <laughs> <laughs> the fact that that didn't piss you off
0: no mm. the fact that he saw that as such a validation as of as a validation his, right Yeah. It's
2: not just that it didn't piss you off Yeah, but that it was it was, validating, it was a
0: validating right. experience for him i was like ah, oh, he's a dude and then, you know, I think we've discussed this before about how, because I had just broken up with you previously mm-hmm. and I was still thinking like, what the hell is wrong with me? Why am I expecting my partner to be a trans guy? She's not a trans guy. She's not. Oh, I guess he is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you have. We another, just didn't know it at the time. <laughs> you know, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I had known it a long time before. He had. I
0: and that's the thing. Talking he had
1: known to our Jesus friend about it probably a year or so before that saying, well, I had thought about transitioning, but I just never got to it. And I wasn't sure if it was really going to work for me. Mm-hmm. And we, we had had a conversation about oh, it. Okay. I remember you saying I would be a very short guy and that could be a problem. It would have been when I was younger, maybe. But as an older guy, nobody cares. I'm just an old guy. You know, yes. short guys. it's true. It's mm-hmm. true. I was thinking about that today. I went
2: shopping for work clothes and I actually saw a guy that was shorter than me, which is unusual. So I was like, wow, look at that. He was an old guy and I thought to myself, well, nobody cares because he's old. And I'm in a way glad that I was 30 when I transitioned. So I wasn't real old. I'm in a way sort of glad I didn't transition when I was real young because there's a certain competition and all of that that goes on that now young guys don't see me as their competition. And you don't have anything to prove.
0: Yeah, you also wow. though have always been kind of a curmudgeon, and so even though you were only thirty, you were clearly I'm just clearly a middle aged guy. That.
1: That's what we said earlier when I said, "How was your New Year's?" and you said, "Quiet," and that you were too old for that. And I said, "So, just wondering, have you always been too old <laughs> for all those parties and things?" And you said, "Yep, yes, <laughs> yep, absolutely, yep." So, since he was about seventeen, probably. <laughs> I was over that
2: from the very beginning, so yeah, that that is kind of a different thing. The age thing does have to do with it, but I I still wish I was taller. I have to admit. <laughs> but that aside, so I don't I don't have even without the tall male privilege. I'll still say that the male privilege is still definitely even a short guy is privileged in ways that tell us well the treatment's definitely different. The other thing that's kind of interesting, and the guy mentioned in that other article a little bit, and so apparently it's not just confined to lawyers. I've noticed is a lot of older lawyers, even if you know I'm not that young anymore, they still. Talk to me like, let, let me help you out. Just, it, it's an automatic, let me do something for you and I'll give you some advice or I'll introduce you to somebody who could maybe hook you up with some clients or whatever, if you know, something I, like that. It's, it's, and it's automatic. You don't even have to ask.
0: If I walk oh. into an auto parts store and I tell them the wrong parts number, they're going to humor the little lady. If you walk into the auto parts store and tell them the wrong part number, they're going to say, Oh, buddy, here,
2: let me help you out. Right. And oh, here's the right one. You're a close. And, you know, I've noticed that just with things in general, that if you're trying to do something like back a horse trailer into that little tiny parking spot over there, first, they assume that you can do it and at least let you go try. Where if you're a female, they say, oh, no, 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 let me let me do it. And then when you demonstrate that you can't do it... Then somebody comes over and they'll give you a little bit of shit about it, but then they switch into coach mode and they're like, okay, here, I'm going to teach you how to do it. And they want you to succeed. They're not just humoring you and kind of half-ass teaching you because, oh, isn't it funny how the little girl wants to do this man thing? Mm -hmm. You know, they truly are trying to help you. They will give you a little shit about it. If it's Especially if it's something that you should have learned back when you were a teenager. But they truly do, in my experience, seem to want to help you. And that, that is definitely different. And that, that makes me angry, actually.
0: It reminds me of a joke I saw online the other day. And I hesitate to say it because it's terribly tactless, tasteless, horrible, evil. Well, now I really want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And terribly transphobic. But it's, Guy says, um, I, I had a blind date the other day. And I went home with her and almost got to bed with her before I realized she was a transsexual and she was beautiful and nothing gave it away until she backed the car into the driveway without pausing once. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is
2: <sighs> Well that that that's one of those <laughs> And it's
0: it's it's it it's horrible and transphobic and evil and just not nice, but It's terribly symptomatic of that gendered thinking in our culture.
1: Yes, along gendered thinking, and I probably told this story in our podcast a long time ago, but as a mom to my son, if I would bring him to school after a doctor's appointment, so I'm bringing him in a little bit late, I would bring him in and they'd tell me, okay, you know, go, they'd expect I would know what to do and go take him to his classroom and where it was and everything else, just like they knew whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And as his dad, I get there and they say, okay, we'll take him," And they take care of everything for me. I don't have to do anything. And I'm not expected to know where his class is, what to do about it or anything else. And no one is going to make me do it. And, and I don't look like I'm interested so and I don't amazing. have to.
0: And part of that is a privilege on your behalf, but part of it is also the expectation that mothers are generally going to be more helicoptery, And so Mothers are going to be less likely to want to leave their kid at the office. They're going to want to walk their child to his class. The dads are like, here's the kid. Dads are like, yeah, and that they have done so before and have done so since the first day of school. And especially in our upper middle class neighborhood, we have hella helicopters. Hella (laughs) helicopters. Because I used to teach at this school. And I know. And that's why I left the school. But the understanding of if you are a mother, you are going to want to do everything for your kid. And if you are a dad, you are more likely to let your kid do for themselves.
2: Hmm. Well, I do have to say that, as far as male privilege goes, because that is certainly an expectation that's different between the two genders. But a certain male privilege is that I am now exempt from every baby shower from here on out. And that is fabulous.
0: Yes, I'm jealous. I I still get invited to wedding showers. Although with decreasing frequency now that I've been at my work site for a certain number of years, they, they put me one year on the social committee. Of all the committees I could have been on, I was absent the day that everyone signed up for their
1: own committee. And Is that was- the one where they got bent out of shape and then they had to move you to a different <laughs> they committee? They did. They kicked you off the social committee? They kicked me off the <laughs> social committee. And it's not that you're not social, but you were apparently not genderly specific, properly gendered. Social?
0: <laughs> I, I'm never properly gendered, but that's another
3: story <laughs> entirely. do not properly give a shit about parties. <laughs>
0: exactly. And so when they're talking about, you know, we need to have a raffle so we can raise money for our Christmas party, or we can do this or that or the other, and then they're trying to have meetings when, you know, part of it was that I have special needs kids and I can't always make the meetings that they wanted to have when they wanted to have them because these were a bunch of single ladies who were all... All into being social. And so I couldn't always make the meetings. And then they quit telling me when the meetings were. (laughs) (laughs) And then they emailed my principal and said that I hadn't been to any of the meetings.
2: And I then
0: forwarded to my principal the last email that the committee chairperson had sent me saying, we canceled this meeting. (laughs) I had been disinvited to the meeting. And then they tried to tell the principal that I hadn't shown up. And so, yeah, that, they, they that was another, there, they didn't want me there. <laughs> no. And at that point, I didn't want to be there either. If that's how it's going to be. So, yeah, they can kick me off that committee. And the principal said as much. He was like, yeah, you can, you can just pick a different committee. And so I waited until the next year to pick a different committee. I went the rest of the year committee lists.
1: I apparently have grown manned. Man-tact, according to my wife.
0: <laughs> you yeah. have grown man-tact. And, and I mentioned this what? to my,
1: my work wife.
0: Man-tact. What is that? Where you don't have to make all the niceties around unpleasant things to say.
2: You just say it like it is?
0: And sometimes you can be a, what would be considered in women to be brash or tactless or bitchy or abrasive.
1: And And this had to do with the other night when our third child, our little princess... Was having a meltdown yet again because it was bedtime. And only at bedtime does she suddenly feel terribly lonely enough to, like, have hours and hours of a meltdown. And I'm not kidding. Hours.
0: Oh, yeah. Hours.
1: So she had come down for something, and I don't know what I said because I don't have to care or know what I said.
0: Yeah, you don't.
1: And after she left the room, my wife said, I think that you've grown some Mantect. (laughs) And I said... I thought that was a tumor or something. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) I I would be sorry if I cared. If I cared. (laughs) But you don't need to care. And I don't. So I went to work and I told my work wife this. I said, this thing happened and this is what my wife said. And she said, oh no, you've had that for a while. That's why when you're done listening to our boss, Yamaran, you just stand up and say, okay, and leave. And walk out of the room. And apparently I've done this. I, I, I say, okay, and I get up and leave and then she follows me out because she takes it as her like easy out like okay see ya go with george and, uh, and then we get out there and she goes how do you do that and i say do what and she goes she just got up and left i said i was done and she says but she wasn't done i said yeah but so i need to go and i just got up and left and nobody my, or my boss never said a thing it wasn't a problem but if my work wife did that it would be an issue it, it would be, be. Somebody who could possibly... It, it, get, it could be grounds for disciplinary action. Or you just... Yeah, even if you're just butthurt. So... But I can, I can to. do that. I can just get up and leave or come in and do something else and... I was just not the me. only
0: one who has observed you growing man tact. Correct. <laughs>
1: right, I already had that.
0: I, tell tell <laughs> your work wife that I appreciate her validation of my observation. I will. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, whereas I couldn't do that, and I couldn't like you would be rude. I would be considered I be terribly rude. And rude. They, don't,
1: they don't do anything to stop me or correct me or anything else. I didn't realize it. I was just kind of I, I was done. I had to go somewhere. I got up, and I left. It didn't seem like a big deal to me, but it, apparently it was a big deal.
0: And it would Whoa. be. a a bigger deal if you were still presenting
1: female. It would. It would be a huge deal. The pressure would be there to... What the hell is wrong with you? You know. Be why polite, did you do that? Be polite about leaving. Apologize a bunch or something before yeah, you leave. Yeah.
0: When I just said that, why did you do that? I used to hear that all the time. Why did you do that? And I'd have no clue what the hell it was that I just did that I was getting called out for. Like, what the hell did they I do? They were just- trying to erase your man tact. They were. And see, here's the Uh funny thing. I didn't even realize so much of this shit was gendered until I started watching you. And I think we've mentioned this before that like I've had all these habits all along that are apparently terribly masculine. And my principal asked me why I hadn't gotten the fifth or sixth transfer to a high school position that I had applied for. I explained to him that there are a couple factors working against me. The first being the fact that our smallish Western town is very nativist and that we have this old boys club mentality. And if you are from here, then you have a leg up. Second thing working against me is that I have been with my school district for almost a decade. I have been teaching for over a decade And given union pay scales, that just makes me expensive.
1: Compared to the newbies.
0: And the third thing working against me was that my administrator has a clear preference for keeping people in their positions if all possible. She doesn't want to play logistical Tetris when people move. She doesn't want to deal with the dominoes that fall when people transfer. Other people transfer into their position. Somebody else transfers into their position. This is what happens throughout most government agencies when people transition. It's just sort of this constant line of dominoes.
1: And by transition, you mean change their job position. That's, yeah. (laughs) I just have to clarify that considering our podcast.
0: Yes, thank you. (laughs) My principal answered and said, well, can we do a mock interview? Because I I think, you know, given your personality and your sense of humor, I like having you around, but I can understand how some people might consider you to be a little bit brash or a little bit abrasive. And so I'd like to see, you know, how you behave in an interview, see if I can help you out any. And he was doing that coaching thing, like, dude, let me help you out. Because he kind of does see me as, you know, I, I get that you're just kind of one of the guys he can't quite do the mental gymnastics to get
1: around these big lumps on my chest, but. Nobody gets around those. <laughs> I don't even get around those. In, in any case, I told you that way back when when I started wearing a binder and I noticed everybody, including this Jesus friend of ours here, treated me differently once I had the binder on. Those yes. things are damn distracting.
0: They are. Yep. They are.
3: (laughs) I didn't notice.
0: You didn't notice that you treated him differently?
1: No,
3: I didn't notice that I treated him differently until he was really fully presenting as male. And I noticed that my behavior around him was different. And it was just sort of a happily curious thing. Mm -hmm. But I didn't notice there was a difference when you started wearing the binder.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a much more comfortable exchange with you. Mm -hmm. So finish your story here.
0: Oh, yes. I went in for my interview and I was just terribly professional like I always am. And Terribly professional.
1: I like that. (laughs) Yes.
0: And, you know, I was what I would consider to be obnoxiously feminine. Like I have come to understand that these things are feminine. I didn't realize this previously. But I understood them to be professional for an individual of my comportment and chosen profession that this is the way that I ought to behave and now I realize that these things are feminine and these things are expected of female bodied professionals but my principal could not figure out what the hell was wrong because I aced that interview he would have hired me again
1: and I wonder if he wasn't a little surprised because he expected some of those things that he usually sees in your everyday interactions which is you know because you're comfortable with him yes and with the position that you have all this time yeah that you're more yourself. But in an interview, you were able to put those aside and sort of like when you say, I'm going to put my makeup now and make myself look like...
0: I, I usually say, yes, I'm going to go and make myself look like your wife now. Yeah. Which when you first started transitioning, I did fem it up quite a bit to sort of contrast and help your presentation, but you don't need that no more. Now I just... Feel like, and this is again one of those female things, and I'm going to chalk it up to estrogen. It's that imposter syndrome that I feel like this is this really awesome guy. And I'm not quite sure I deserve him, but I'm going to make myself look like I deserve him. So, yeah, I, I put on my face and I put on shaping undergarments that make my figure more feminine when I'm going to be going out with you or when I'm going to be approaching a new social situation and especially a new professional situation to make myself look like what our culture would expect of someone of, you know, a middle-aged, professional, middle-class, what what people would expect when they see me, so that none of that gets in the way of me being able to do my job or being able to interact with these new people or being able to make friends or do whatever. Because otherwise it does. For example, when... When our two kids were in preschool, number two and number three, and they had just started going to the same preschool, which we only left them at for six months after this. They had picture day, and I went in with no makeup to help them on a day that I had no school because I had no school. I had no place to be. Why the hell would I put makeup on? And child number two who had recently realized that he could tell the workers that we were mistreating him and then he would get sympathy, which he kind of needed because he was that kid. He still is, but he's long since learned that that's not a good idea because he tried it first with his other mom and they had a conversation and realized that wasn't a good idea. And then he tried it with me after I had gone in with them that day and they said something about why is he having a bad day And he said, oh, it's because my mom yelled at me and hit me this morning. And George goes in to pick the kids up and they sit him down and say, we need to have a talk. Jess was in here this morning and she looked really angry. And later child number two said that she had hit him. And like, why the hell would I look angry? I was there with my kids. I was kind of having a good time. Mm -hmm. But because I had no face on to make them see me as what they expected of a maternal parent it became a problem. And see, again, I didn't think of these things as being gendered. I just thought of them as being professional and culturally appropriate.
1: You're not allowed to walk around without your face on.
0: I'm not allowed to take
1: your looks the wrong way. I know that now if my face is just the way it is, and you know, I don't have to smile or anything else. Nobody tells you to smile. My face is my own property. Mine
0: is still other everybody's property.
1: So I'm comfortable like that. And I also know though that there's times when I I can't really smile because that looks creepy.
0: Yeah, there is the other side of it. Like if you <laughs> yeah. if you do approach someone or if you do make eye contact with somebody, it's because of our cultural history of males being the aggressors, you just fall into that group. Yeah. And MRAs would say that's reverse sexism.
1: No, I, I don't agree.
0: I thank you for it's, not
1: agreeing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is a little strange to me because I got used to having to perform the other side of the role. So, mm-hmm. But I, I like that I don't have to smile at people or, you know, make a nice face for any reason. I can look very plain with my face and it's very acceptable as a man. mm mm-hmm. So, the comment earlier I made
2: about you know backing up a trailer with your truck, especially like a large horse trailer or something like that, because uh, we live in the West and people have horse trailers. People do that. it's It's an important skill to have. And when I was a kid, my dad let me drive the truck, even when I was not old enough to drive, pulling the horse trailer and he'd let me pull through a you know horseshoe driveway or something like that. He would never let me back it up, and he never taught me to back it up. He never even tried to teach me. And to this day, that taught your brother. You know, he didn't teach my brother because he was so allergic to horses that he couldn't even (laughs) be near them. So he never went. Okay. If he had taught my brother and not me, it would have really pissed me off. (laughs) Uh, So there wasn't that rivalry there, at Mm -hmm. least. It was just, it was just me. But the fact that he never taught me and then I never learned. And then later on in life, especially after transition, I'm trying to back a large utility trailer. And failing miserably. And a friend of mine is, you know, he's he gave me a little crap because of it, but he's like, and then he, like I said, he goes into coach mode and says, okay, this is how you do it. And I think he even said, well, did you guys have horses when you were a kid? Like, didn't you, you know, and I didn't really get mad at the time, but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, well, yeah, I should have been taught that. I should have learned that. And I recently had this conversation with my brother-in-law and said, well, I hope you teach the girls, my nieces. He has two Young girls, and he's, he says, I, I believe in teaching my kids how to do stuff, you know, girls or boys, and they'll learn how to do all this stuff. Don't worry. So that, that, that was one thing that, that's a silly example of one little thing. But when it's a lifetime of that, then it, it, it makes you angry.
0: Understandably so. It's, and it's so ingrained in our culture that it reminds me of that thing with uh, Mark Zuckerberg the other day where the grandma said, Oh, I always tell my granddaughters to date the nerd in school because he might grow up to be Mark Zuckerberg. And he said, don't teach them to date me. Teach them
2: to be me. Right. Exactly.
0: You know, and nobody nobody catches that except, you know, this younger guy to point out, hey, you're doing this wrong. But I think that's great that it is a guy pointing it out because if a woman pointed it out, we might humor her.
2: Nobody would listen to her. That's true. It's like your story that you were telling earlier that once Mm -hmm. you pointed it out, even though it's the exact same words or as close as you could get, now all of a sudden people are paying attention. Yes. Can I just say for the record that the term shaping undergarments scares the bejesus out of me? It makes me crazy because
3: all a guy has to do is just wear the appropriate clothing for the situation.
0: You just have to make sure your junk ain't hanging out.
3: Yeah. But a woman has to wear the proper underwear, the proper makeup, the proper hair, they have the proper voice tone.
1: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I left. She has varied voice tones because of the music background. She can.
0: And half the time change. I don't realize that I'm like shifting my voice because I'm just thinking, okay, I'm in a drive-thru. A slightly broader tone with a slightly sharper sound wave is going to get my words
1: through the speaker and into the right music teacher the rest of us are just saying give me a coffee (laughs) hope you You understood it
0: and i you know so i don't think about these things until somebody's like oh use your dude voice i'm like oh
1: all right that that is a um one of the male privileges is that no, no one cares what I look like. I will sometimes say to Jess in the morning, can I wear this? And she'll say, you can wear whatever you want. Nobody cares. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm like, <laughs> it's, oh yeah. It's true. But, but would it be a good idea? But would it be a yes, good idea? Yes. And
0: see, at that point, you know, there is some level of, you know, if you totally don't match and you totally look like you don't even care whether you match, then there is some level of questioning your competency that will happen. Right, right. But, but it's nowhere near the questioning of competency that will happen if i go into work dressed like that
1: for instance right now my hair is a bit out of control because it's a project it is a project but and we'll discuss I could the project when it's like done as a woman but as a guy i can walk around with the weirdest stupidest hair ever and it's totally fine
0: oh he just doesn't feel like
1: getting a haircut that guy just needs a haircut or something right nobody cares they don't care They don't. And here's how much they don't care. I didn't realize when I was using the women's room, there was always a mirror there. And I discovered, because, you know, I drive around a lot for work. There's a lot of men's room that have no mirror at all. Just a sink. And I was like, wow.
0: There are no women's rooms that do not have a mirror except in the worst, worst parts of town. And even then they'll have like that big piece of shiny metal that you cannot break.
1: They'll still have it there. They will still have it. I've never seen a women's room without, and I, you know, there's a lot of years of women's rooms, so. It's true. And I go in the men's room, and, and so for a while, I would give Jess the report. This, in this part of town, there's no mirrors in the men's room, and this part does have mirrors in the men's room. Yep. <laughs> you know? It's just an odd thing. You know why? Because nobody cares how you look, so you don't have to look and see if you look okay. Nope. And you probably think you look fine. And I have you actually, do look fine. And I, I left the house a couple times and, and have gotten to work and went Oh I, I probably didn't look in the mirror at my hair. Hmm
0: <laughs> Should I
1: should I fix that?
0: You you have gone to work before In mismatched shoes, although admittedly on
1: terribly difficult parenting mornings. I don't have any shoes that are that mismatched. Socks, maybe.
0: Well, that's the thing. You don't have any shoes that are that mismatched. So if they're the wrong shoes, nobody notices. If you're wearing one, you know, that's black and a little shinier and one that's black and a little bit less shiny.
1: They probably are the same shoe in two different colors. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how men buy things. You probably put, put them, them both on to, on to sell. try them
0: on in the morning and that's how you do because your feet are sensitive.
1: Yes, yeah, so I'll put two and shoes on. And so you'll on. put
0: two different shoes on and walk around in them for a minute to see which one feels like what your feet and want I today. Could leave the house and like that. And then you just would leave care. the house and nobody would care. They don't care. They don't. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to me.
1: Yeah, I came home once and you said, are you wearing plaid with plaid? <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> great. <laughs> That's great. That she knew I could get away with it. She she was impressed because she knew nobody cared. No. Wow, it's a great you could get away with that.
2: Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to hear a little bit more about your guys' story about when you started wearing the binder and your interaction with each other.
1: Yeah. We went to a movie with Mr. Jesus' friend and his wife. So And I wore the binder. And I had noticed, anyway, when I wear the binder the interactions with everybody was just so much easier. Mm-hmm. And I understand why.
0: These things are distracting. They
1: are distracting. I and find them distracting. Even if you know that your friend is a dude and just has boobs, it's still distracting because it's discongruent with you. It
0: know, is. And even today you were at the gym and some chick comes out towards her car who clearly is still in her workout gear and you just
1: could not no, stop your head I don't from know turning. If it was a workout gear or not. All I know is that it was so, cut so low and... Her boobs were so big, and I was on the phone and had the boy with me, and I was like, "I should stop looking at that," but <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> i was so bad. I know I could tell my wife this because she has the same problem. I do, but but I was like, "Whoa, how can she walk around like that?" And I couldn't stop looking. So, so I'm surprised the boy wasn't looking because he he's he does that. he does look he does the the eight year old looks. But but nowadays he would probably also open his mouth. He he would. But so that would be bad. Your <laughs> yes.
0: interaction of having them not right. presenting. So
1: I had the binder on, and I mentioned to you when we when we left on the way home uh-huh. that even my very good longtime friend had a totally different reaction to me, and it's it's more of a it's a subconscious thing, just a little more relaxed. You know, like here's a thing that happens, and this is not about male privilege, but with women there's this hugging thing. And with men, there's a not so much hugging thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're a little more distant and your tone of voice a, a little different. I noticed all of it because it was all very new to me. Mm-hmm. So oh, um, trip. yeah, that was a trip. And I thought, well, that's just so much easier. I really like that.
0: And didn't you read something somewhere about some guy who's like a total hugger? And he was like, after transition, like it was weird that he was a hugger previously. Nobody had cared that he was a hugger. But now it was weird that he
1: was a hugger. Well, oh, yeah, that's
2: very weird for guys. Mm-hmm. Although
1: some guys in closer communities like churches or, you know, gay guys and other, certain guys do hugging and, and it's comfortable for them and acceptable in the subculture they're in. But overall, no.
0: Right.
3: Hugging is never not awkward for me. Mm-hmm. Never.
1: Right. Because you're one
2: of those kind of guys. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not a fan either, I'll say. Yeah. Certain people that I'm really close to, but I was interested. George is telling this story, and you're kind of shaking your head. Like, you can't believe it, that the interaction is so different. And, and you, George, thought that it was easier and more comfortable from your perspective.
1: Right. And the, the hugs are awkward. Because I'm always like, yeah. you know. What do I do? Okay, it's yeah. a hug, right? I think.
0: You you were awkward about hugs before, though, too.
1: Yeah, it's it feels more awkward to me now.
3: Mm-hmm. If you're a guy, if you're hugging another guy, it's it's sort of quick and maybe with a pat and a little but, to the side. But a if you're hugging a woman, it's always to the side. It's always mm-hmm. a side hug because you don't want to encounter those things on her chest.
1: No, you'll be in trouble. <laughs> yes, you yeah you, you would. Be- and one of the people at the birthday party today, a woman, one of the kids' moms, came over to give me a hug, and so I you know I was like shifting to do the side hug thing. Mm -hmm. But it's always weird because I never know, like, somebody's going to get... I'm always surprised now if they're coming to give me a hug. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what's happening? (laughs) What do I do? (laughs) So. Yeah. What do I do about this?
0: You awkwardly return the friendly sentiment.
1: (laughs) Okay, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, but among the minds of the wearing the binder and, and noticing it's noticing the subconscious reactions people have. And I I talked to Jess and probably this microphone about this before in that I would notice women's subconscious reactions as I began to transition. And I said, I would come home and say, this weird thing happened today. I was walking past this woman and she did these things. And
0: And he couldn't even describe the things, but I'm so familiar with it that I would be like, oh, she straightened her back. And curved her spine slightly, and lifted her chin slightly, and put a slight smile on her and like, face. I'm like, how did you know that?
1: <laughs> she knew.
0: Because that's what I have trained myself to do in the company of male acquaintances.
1: I'm shaking my head like, whoa. But yeah, you have yeah. trained yourself a so, lot of things. So why is a woman doing that when the male walks by? She's re- Jess said she's reacting to subconsciously to that you're a male.
0: Yes, there's this constant background noise of potential mate or potential protector. Or pro- if we get into threat. <laughs> potential threat, yes, there's this Every constant the back- I was background say, I'm noise. I'm doing it wrong of- apparently
1: because that's what I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, there's this potential either protector or threat that any male can become at a moment's notice, to any person who is perceived as weaker, which includes all females. And so we naturally are going to, or some of us have trained ourselves to... You've trained yourself, but
1: most of them just do it naturally. Most of
0: them just do this naturally. Women do this naturally. I'm not including myself in this group at that moment. To just naturally... Ever so slightly play into their sexual availability and their femininity so that you will perceive them as worthy of your protection and potentially worthy of your conquest but in a positive way and not in a threatening way and it's weird as fuck
1: well it is weird and, and for me what i noticed was before people didn't know what quite what to do with me especially really straight cisgendered people they wouldn't know what to do so they wouldn't do anything and now all these the, the women who are the straightest women at work all talk to me now and they they didn't used to really talk to me very much at all they avoided you and they'll talk to me for a while when they're talking and they'll do these Things. And I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, what's, what's happening? They they These want women to
0: odd. garner your favor as a potential threat or pretend, potential protector. And that's really all there is to it's it. Very it's very strange. It's totally primal. very. it is very primal. It's very lizard brain. It's very So was
1: my problem with the boobs that we're walking past today.
0: <laughs> exactly. Very primal. <laughs> so it's it is. It's weird as fuck. That people now like they can, they know what to do with you.
1: They know what to do.
0: And that is why I present myself so femme in professional situations. And that is why I don't make a thing of being who I am because it would not benefit me in any way. Well, I should say it would not professionally or situationally benefit me.
2: I was just going to say that before my transition, I had fairly androgynous presentation anyway. But I almost always wore a ponytail. And that was just my little, this is what I am. This is how you know what to do. Right. Right. And so that I could avoid a lot of awkwardness that I had dealt with for a long time before that.
1: And I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore. I find it very funny mm-hmm. to imagine a ponytail. It was bad. <laughs> Hold on. Sorry. I think
0: I might still no, have no, a
1: picture no, somewhere. Do oh, God. Don't, don't do that. Do it. Delete it. Delete it. <laughs> I disapprove.
2: Yeah, I disapprove. So it's it's very nice not to have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but people know how to treat you. And it's, it's funny that you're talking about the reaction. Like I said, I, I apparently must be doing it wrong because I get the women crossing the street thing.
1: No, but see, you told me that you also, one of the guys at work told you to stop talking to the, to the girls at the front desk. Yes, because I am oblivious.
2: You are, and they're going to think that they can marry up. So that was apparently what was in the works. And... He said, dude, you need need to stop being... You're giving them the wrong idea? Exactly, is what he was telling me. Mm -hmm. Wow. And And if you're not
1: interested, you better
2: not do that. And I was like, oh, 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 I see it. Oh. (laughs) Oops. Mm -hmm. I was just being normal, friendly, conversational.
0: The way that you had previously been socialized to interact with the front desk
2: ladies. I should note that these... These were new front desk ladies who were actually younger than me for, instead of old enough to be my mom, and they did not know me pre-transition. So
0: they just saw handsome guy with a good job and single and paying attention to me. Yep. Hmm. the hell is wrong with you, man?
1: Oblivious, (laughs) I'm telling you. (laughs) My work wife is aware that that I have some of the male privilege advantages that, that she can utilize as well of... George, go do this thing that I am believed more.
0: Go tell such and such a group or such and such a person that this is happening because they won't believe me.
1: Or we have to go talk to our boss and so you tell her this because we need to tell her that. But if I tell her, it'll be a problem. But if you tell her, she'll be fine with it. Go tell this other worker this thing because she'll be okay if you say it. Come with me to talk to this person because you can stand there and I will be more credible because you are standing there nodding your head. True fact. Yep. I believe it. Yep. She did threaten me that uh, when I first started uh, transitioning that if I started making more money than her, she was going to be very angry. <laughs> Which is funny because make you her have angry.
0: both previous... No, you do not want to make her <laughs> angry. You have both previously gone for the same promotion and neither of you have gotten it. And they always give it to the guy. And so that was kind of a thing that, you know, you, you are no longer going to attempt the same promotion or transfer
1: that she... Tr- she knows that I am not as competent at taking the like supervisor exams, which are mostly policy. I'm such crap at that They're questions like if this employee does this, do you do a, b, C, or d and or in what order do you do these things and i'm like
0: and there is a specific sound
1: good to me policy <laughs>
0: about which one you are supposed to do according yes. to
1: the agency, yes, and she can remember those types of rules and things. She's and- not a great rule follower. But she will make it look like she is. She knows the rules. <laughs> Which is true. This is true. So, um, so I know, and she knows it too, I'm sure, that if we go for the same position, as long as I can pass that exam, I'm more likely to get the position by far. It's the by far part that is scary. It's scary. It is by and she knows it. But she's okay with it at this point because she's decided that she has more retirement savings than I do, and I need to have the pay grade increase.
0: The qualifications for the retirement plan are based on your income, and if you end with higher income, then you
1: end with more retirement. Yes, and since I have three kids and four kids, really, because... You did take one to the ER the other day.
0: I did take one to the I did take
1: number zero to the ER the other day, yes. So we have four kids, but three most of the time. Yes. And,
0: and two soon, two years.
1: <laughs> Sorry.
2: But who's counting? <laughs> that, but
0: moms uh, want to do things with their kids and dads want to be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. I'm, I'm still not, thinking about
3: child things. zero going to the ER.
0: Um Virus. No, she okay. had the
1: man flu. That's what I decided. She totally had
0: man food. But continue. I'm sorry. She's Uh decided that it's okay for you to have it.
1: She would prefer that I take the pain in the ass job and make a little more money so that I get my retirement increase because she doesn't have to worry about that. Right. I think that's her way of accepting that I'll get it anyway. But (laughs) That's fair. I don't know. George, you were talking about
3: how, um, you know, you're walking by and you might observe women adjusting their body position and those kinds of things. And they do that subconsciously. But I hike with my dog up on the trails every day. And if I'm by myself and I encounter a woman approaching me, I have this very certain set of changes that I make to my body so that I'm not directly facing her. If I talk to her, I don't make eye contact. Um, If I talk to her, I I, I keep it really brief just to make sure I want to communicate that I'm safe and friendly and not aggressive but not interested either because when i'm when i encounter out on the trail out in a in a vulnerable place like this and a woman can't cross to the other side of the street because there's no other side then i've noticed over and over again that people are nervous and scared and so i now have very specific ways that i move my body the way that i use my voice to try to set people at ease.
2: And it kind of sucks. That's that's interesting because I'm apparently doing it wrong because I get the reaction that people look, like you said, nervous. And maybe that's because until you do something to put them at ease, that's what they assume. And you're a tall guy, so they can see you coming from a ways away. And, oh, no, here's this big, tall guy. And they start getting nervous. And until you get close enough to where, like you said, you can do something to put them at ease, then that's kind of the default reaction. And I... I've done that myself, Mm -hmm. you know, before transition. I've been there, done that. Mm -hmm. And so I I get that too. I get that. I get why people are nervous. It's, and like you said, it equally sucks to have to change your behavior to try to communicate that you're not
3: a threat. And then when I see women jogging up through the woods by themselves, my my automatic thought is don't do that. Right. That's not safe.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: It's too bad that it's not safe because any guy can. Walk out his front door and go jogging wherever he wants to. Mm -hmm. And a woman should think twice about it.
0: And it's horrible that a lot of our rape prevention education is geared towards women telling them, don't do that, it's not safe. And what they're really telling these women, I saw this the other day, they're not telling them, prevent rape. They're telling them, make sure he rapes the other girl.
2: Ew. Ew. The assumption being that it's inevitable, just don't let it be you. And that's the part, that's the assumption about men that, Mm -hmm. like you said, it's not to prevent rape and it's not telling men not to rape. No. And that's why there's that fear. That's not good. No.
0: But it's the way our culture is currently structured around the topic
1: and if we try to talk about it people try to shut it down Uh uh-huh. about about hiking and walking and stuff one of the funny things that happen is if there's a woman walking by herself but she has a dog the dog gets really mad at me now he can see me and smell me and he's like oh no you're a dude
0: And I would wager Mm -hmm. that he's not responding so much, the dog is not responding so much to your masculinity, but picking up on its female owner's imperceptible changes in their, maybe not even behavior, possibly just the fear pheromones Mm -hmm. that they can just smell, my
1: owner is not comfortable with this person. Yeah, her weariness, her, her caution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so not male privilege, but that, that's kind of how we do. We we go on our topic and then we go.
0: Yeah, on the that's side okay. Of it and stuff. Well, and see, that's where like the MRAs again would say, "Oh, see, that's reverse sexism. Nobody should get angry at me for just walking down the street."
2: Huh. I mean, it, it's a difference in treatment, but it is privilege in the sense that we can walk down the street now and not and not feel that fear, and we're free to go, like you said, go jogging, go
1: hiking, go do whatever we want by yeah. ourselves. You you and I are. And then, women, cisgendered women and, and trans women are so not, and especially trans women. Right. Especially
3: trans
2: women. They are not. Yes. And so that, that that is definitely a privilege that we enjoy and don't even think about half the time.
1: That is something that is odd about the privileges is you do get used to them. Even after all this time, I can get used to them. I can get used to walking out of the back of the building at work at night towards the car, wherever it might be parked in the dark somewhere, and not even worried about it. Some of the time I'm aware of that, but I'm not aware of it the whole time. Before walking out of the building, I would be aware the whole time. Hyper aware. Hyper aware, even after I got in the car. Because it, it because it's such a strong anxiety in your body.
0: It is. Of, and of, if you're really paying attention, you're going to open your car door. You're going to make sure that the lights in your car are on and check your back seat before you sit
1: down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at that point, by the time I'd get in the car and I was, you know, safe, I still had that anxiety in my body. Mm-hmm. From the moment I was going to walk out the door until I got in the car. And now I'm just like, oh, I'm going out the door. This is great. Yeah. Even I get to go home. home now. Woo! Yeah. Mm. I get to go home man. And you're thinking about what you're going to do when you get home or whatever. You're not thinking about... What is that shadow over there? Yeah. What's behind the shadow?
2: And you know, what you mentioned is you, you start to to get used to it. And I actually had kind of an interesting experience the other day where I actually forgot my transition. And I didn't think that that would ever happen. And it used to be that I was... Because you know, I've lived here my whole life. And so there's a lot of people who know me pre-transition. And there's a lot of new friends that I have that did not know me pre-transition, and I would prefer that they didn't know about that. And I happen to be in a group of people that mostly did not know me before my transition.
0: So you were mostly
2: stealth in this situation. Yes. So I'm still mostly stealth. In most situations. In most yes. situations. So this was one of those situations where I was with a bunch of people that only have known me since my transition And I ran into a couple who had known me since I was a little kid. And I walked right up to them and I said, hey, how's it going? It's good to see you guys, blah, blah, blah. And I would never, I would have been terrified early in my transition to see somebody afraid that I would accidentally get outed somehow.
0: And you totally forgot that that was even a thing that could happen. I totally
2: forgot that it was even a thing. And that blows my mind now
0: how did they respond um, now i have to, curious yeah.
2: about they didn't out me in any way obviously they said oh hey it's we things are going good you know how are you just totally normal nice i mean they were i think a little shocked at first honestly wait a uh, second what's going on here yeah <laughs> but it was also at a halloween party so that helped there was a little bit of <laughs> so that eased the awkwardness because yes. it makes it easy to say oh we didn't recognize you at first have and you ever
3: approached someone that informally knew you pretty well that just Simply didn't recognize
2: you now. You know, I don't think I don't think so. I think everybody's been able to been able to still recognize me, which is sometimes it would be a lot easier sometimes if they wouldn't, <laughs> it's, uh, because there are a lot yeah. of people who knew me before my transition. Mm-hmm. There's that, but uh, but yeah, so that was the, so it is possible to to apparently I didn't think it was, but apparently it is to forget your transition altogether. But so I've been hanging out with a lot of cis guys. Um, a lot of people who have only known me since my transition and I start, I don't necessarily say things, but I catch myself thinking things where I'm like, Oh my God, really? You're, you're such an asshole. Like you never <laughs> used to, or maybe I never. This
0: is your self calling yourself an asshole. Right.
2: I never used to catch Maybe I thought it before and I never caught myself, but s- somehow I doubt if I ever thought those things before. And I don't know that they're necessarily you know, sexist things or if it's something that you get as this idea of getting used to the privilege and sort of internalizing it to where you don't even realize you're taking advantage of it or that you have it.
1: It makes me understand why guys can't see that. Yeah. You know, cis guys who have grown up with all the privileges that they have can't see it and can't figure out what's going on. It seems to be such a big deal. Right. Even while they're doing it.
0: And why, when I said you had grown man tact, you sort of side-eyed me and checked it out with your work wife before you really completely accepted it.
1: When you said it, I thought, hmm, am I in trouble?
0: (laughs) If you were in trouble, I would
1: tell you you're in trouble. I don't seem to be in trouble. I think I've said the wrong thing, but I don't care, so, hmm. And there's
0: the man tact again. You don't have to
1: care. I don't have to care, and I really like it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry you it like it because pleasure. one of these days it is going to get you in
0: trouble I, and you'll be uh, sleeping uh, on the couch.
1: It'll get me in trouble, I'm sure. Lots of things will. So, yeah. uh, What else is new?
2: <laughs> I'll just throw one other thing out there that I've noticed in terms of at least being a lawyer anyway. And now it's a little bit different because I'm in private practice. I used to work for a government agency. Uh, but now that I'm in private practice, I see a lot of a lot of new people, I used to kind of deal with the same people over and over again. And now I see a lot of new people. And it's hard to say because I wasn't in private practice before as a female. But, you know, you interact with people and other lawyers and all of that. And I get the impression that clients are still, this is maybe just more of a biased thing much more comfortable in a way with a male lawyer they are assuming your competency they assume your competency and they also assume and expect that other people will assume your competency and will there's and there's still this kind of mentality that your lawyer is supposed to be you know your knight in shining armor who's going to protect you and fight on your behalf and that so there's still that perception anyway mm-hmm. within the profession or how people view the profession in some ways. You
0: are expected Um, to behave in a somewhat aggressive fashion and as a woman that is perceived as bitchy or brash or abrasive.
2: And not acceptable. And And
0: so previously when you were working as a female in government employ, your competency was vouched for by the fact that the government hired you. How that
1: works, I'm still not quite sure because I know we've
0: (laughs) all here worked for government.
1: But. Well, the same way it works, you're a man, so now you're competent. Same way. Fuck. It, well, yeah. Which is
0: funny because most of the men I know are not as competent as the women.
1: Well, the thing is they don't have to be.
2: They don't. They they don't. Can, they're allowed to slide. And the women have to be – and that's honestly – I mean, I, I worked my tail off. I absolutely worked my tail off and that's how I got – but I, I had to because you can't you can't let it slide for a second. You know, I mean, pre-transition. You
0: have to prove okay. your worth as a female professional. As a male professional, your worth is assumed. But as a female professional, you have to prove your worth and you have to continue proving
3: your worth. That's one of the worst features of male privilege, isn't it? for In the work world, anyway. Professionally, that, yes. The professional competence is assumed for a male, but a
2: woman always has to work for
3: it.
0: Yeah.
2: And like just said you have to continue to work for it. It's not like you can do one or two things to where people say, "Okay, yeah, you know you know your stuff, you're fine. We're going to let you go." That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that, that that was kind of an interesting thing, especially, like I said, because I'm new to, to private practice, I'm taking advantage of that privilege, I guess, to a certain extent that people automatically assume that you're competent and you're good to go.
1: There's not many ways to reject it, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you you
2: have it when we're, I, I suppose I could act incompetently and see if people still are my clients, but that's, that's not good for the no, long term. Yeah, no. not good for the bank account, but um, it is definitely a different thing. That's for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, if you, if you aimed it at, at it and were terribly incompetent, then eventually somebody would say, that guy's a real joker, you know, move yeah. on to somebody else, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell my other funny story just because I, th- I like it. And <laughs>
0: tell us
2: a funny story. Like you mentioned, that it's a big deal to be from here. That still gets you... You were part of the old boys club even before you were an old boy. Exactly. I truly was because I was from here. I was born here, blah, blah, blah. And so it only got worse when I transitioned that, that gets you all kinds of doors opened here still. That won't always be the case as, you know, time goes on. But anyway, I was at a hearing with two male attorneys who both happened to know me before my transition. And this goes back to the working my rear off to try and prove myself. And they knew me and I think respected me before my transition, this was post-transition, we had a hearing and there was a female attorney from out of town who was on the other side. So now, now we're,
1: yeah, now we're, so now we're test- post,
2: okay. post-transition. And she didn't know me prior transition. And we get done with the hearing and we won and she lost and we we're standing in the hallway. And I can't remember her exact phrase, but she says to all three of us, she says, And I get how it is. And I see how these things happen and that I'll never be a member of the boys club. But I can't remember what she said because I was too busy laughing. She was
0: being frustrated by the fact that she felt that your participation in the boys club – contributed to you winning this case. Right. And And understandably so, because that is such a terribly common thing. But meanwhile, you're standing there with these two guys who have
2: known you since before you were in the boys club. Right. And this was early on in my transition. This was very early in my transition, which made it all the more so the, it was just like, it was like a sitcom. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you knew the situation, it
1: was standing there looking at you. So they're standing
2: <laughs> there looking at me and I'm sitting there looking at them. And we're all starting to just You're try not to, not bust to up laugh laughing, at this which woman. made us look like the biggest assholes <laughs> no. on earth to yes. this poor you now.
0: Oh, no. yes.
2: Cause, cause she was probably, yeah, you know, understandably, understandably
0: frustrated off. with the, the situation but in
2: our local, she didn't know the backstory, yeah, which no. made us all, we were all about to just, oh. f- Roll on the floor laughing about it. And mm-hmm. it's uh, – so, yeah. So, that that was – it was amusing to me. It, it it was not amusing for her. And like I said, we've, we've just made ourselves look like so much bigger jerks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and that's the thing. You know, not only is there this understanding of assumed competency, but women see the assumed competency right. and occasionally call it out and occasionally just feel – so terribly frustrated by it, and understandably well, I, I, so.
2: I felt that way myself before my transition, and that's what at the time it was amusing in this particular situation, but because it wasn't yeah. the case, because right. it
0: hadn't been the case before, yes. And so, you know, we get tired, female presenting people, we get tired of being seen as less than and not having our competency assumed to the same level. And so, yes, that can result in some assumption that you are. Slacking and having your competency assumed. Right. People also assume that you're in on the hyper masculinity, though, too. Like, speaking of the not conscious changes in perceptions, your dad went on a vacation.
2: (laughs) That's right. I forgot about that. That was, uh, And this really surprised me because my dad was one of the people who had the biggest trouble with my transition coming to terms with it. And so this was just a year or so ago. He went on a vacation to Florida with my mom and they just happened to be there during spring break. Oh gosh. Right. So I went and I picked them up at the airport and we stopped to get a burger or something on the way home. And mom's out in front of us in the parking lot because she's in a hurry or something and he talks to me and he kind of lowers his voice, which is kind of weird for dad because he's usually, he's loud. And he's like, you know, we went to the beach and it was really nice. But your mom, she kept being like, you know, these people should put on sunscreen or can you believe what she's wearing and blah or no it wasn't even that it was look at all these people who are massively overweight because she's she's a nurse and she used to do all this stuff with obesity public and, and yeah. public health and all of that so she was appalled at basically all the fat people at the beach and <laughs> dad says nope I didn't notice that at all <laughs> <laughs> and he's has got and he and he would have never said that to me ever before
0: and um, right. he's implying at this point and that he was
2: noticing all of the he was noticing girls all the gone break.
0: wild spring right. break girls right
2: yep Yeah. So uh, my dad is very conservative, and he's very reserved. So the fact that he said that at all to me is uh, it kind of blew my mind, honestly. And Mm -hmm. but so he's finally he's finally come to terms with it. Ah, Apparently, apparently. Apparently.
0: (laughs) Well, and that happened to George too when you had a situation where a guy just sort of starts talking to you about these things. Mm -hmm. These, you know, the the assumption that you will have this understanding of sex as a man
1: and have the same opinion and have yeah mm-hmm. and so he's complaining about trouble with his wife and think things are not going well apparently including their sex life and she, she has some back problems and she says well that's fine if you leave you'll just go lose that weight at the gym right away because guys always lose weight right away and get a girlfriend and and he says yeah, and you'll remember how to suck dick again. And I'm just standing there, like, well, I guess these are the conversations that guys have when they don't realize who they're talking to, you know? <laughs> because I understand what he's saying, but I'm thinking, well, I, I could tell you a lot of other ways to deal with that because I'm a therapist. But <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's yeah, crazy to that me. The
1: people will say. But yeah, definitely with your dad. Yeah, that was... That's one of those transitional moments in, in your transition. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> to be slightly it, redundant. Yeah, uh, uh- it is. And I've had that happen at work where there's a guy who's at the main desk when you come in. He's kind of the... the Kind of the security guy. Yeah. So he sees everybody who comes in. And for a while, I was on that, you know, closer to where he, he is. My office was closer to that area. And he would come in and talk to us. And he comes in to talk to us when my work wife has stepped out and would tell me things that he wouldn't tell her. Mm -hmm. And they weren't, you know, about who it was or wasn't sucking somebody's dick necessarily, but they were just things in general that he would disclose to me as another guy that he wasn't going to talk to the women about.
2: And, you know, that's actually, that
1: is another aspect
2: of the privilege that I've, that I have come to realize. and. That is the sort of men do act differently when they're only around other men. Mm -hmm. And part of the privilege is sharing information that they won't share with women and especially in the the workplace, obviously is the place where that most adversely affects women is because they they literally are not in the loop on everything that's going on. Mm
0: -hmm. And meanwhile, I'm sitting over here thinking, okay, so like, for example, what are some of the things that your security guy would tell you that he wouldn't tell your work? Give a solid example for those of us who are not in the loop and are not nodding their heads, just like these two over here, like, yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, uh, what now?
1: I'm sure I told you at the time. I don't remember. Okay, But there were interactions that were going on, or something that had happened, like uh, somebody is going to be disciplined, or some interaction that happened involving the law enforcement, or something like that, that he knew about and wasn't supposed to be telling anybody. Mm. But he knew he could talk to me. Mm-hmm. And as my former supervisor and Jesus friend here knows, I don't talk. No, <laughs> no. you don't. I, I don't yeah. gossip. I'm not telling anybody what anybody said, except I will come home and tell my wife, hey, so and so said this today, and I thought it was odd because he waited till the ladies all left the room. I can't say why men do that.
3: I was nodding my head during the stories. You, I, you
0: acknowledge that it happens, I, but you can't come up with a reason
1: why. Yeah,
3: that men, I, I know that that's true, that men share information with other men that they don't share with women, but there's no. I can't think of a reason for it.
1: I, I think that the, the security guy's reasoning in part is to do with he knows I'm not going to gossip. Women. And he figures those are women talkers. are all going to gossip. Jess and I know that because when I was still home after my chest surgery and waiting for them to give me clearance to come back to work.
0: At which point you were going to formally transition on the job.
1: I was waiting for stupid administrative things to be happening, which we've podcasted about in length. Mm hmm go back to
0: episode number
1: 2013 in August. I'll, I'll put it
0: I'll put the link in the show notes. Okay.
1: And at that time, some of the ladies were having a go out and have drinks thing for work people.
0: And you were still included in this No, ladies w- no, going... no, I
1: wasn't included with ladies. I was included because I was in their group. There were other, the guys there were cops, the other guys there. And then these women get together when this one woman who used to work with them and now works in another bigger town, would come to visit and they would go to the one of these sports bars over here and have drinks and hang out and talk. And so I said to Jess, well,
0: I've just had top surgery and I those, look like a dude.
1: Those and- friends are, are coming to town and uh, they might not be letting me go back to work because they're getting themselves sorted out there. But um, we'll go to this get together. The whole agency will know what's going on in no time. <laughs> yep because and all that was those the women thing all the,
0: all the women had been talking already and that came to light when yeah. we were sitting so, there they were like oh i wonder where george is at i wonder where he went yeah i wonder you know these are the things that everyone asks every time someone is out on quote admin leave right they're going to ask oh i wonder if they did something wrong they were and i wonder if it. they got a sex change those are the two things uh, that everybody yes. asks
1: so that's what they said when when i got there
0: is he out on discipline or is he out for a sex change? And yeah. you said, oh, yeah,
1: this one. And so, and one of them who's really much more emotional, she said, I kept saying to your work wife, just tell me where she is. She's not dying, is she? You know, like she's just very emotional. Mm-hmm. and And she couldn't tell me, but she just would say... That you were fine and not to worry about it. <clears throat> so, because
0: <laughs> your work wife, knew but what was we going intentionally
1: on. went to this get together just to spread the gossip. Because I knew as soon as I got there, it would all be taken care of, and I wanted to kind of give both middle fingers to the admin because they were taking so long to let me come back to work. Right. So that that might
2: be underlying part of it. Yeah. I, I do have to say, for the record, that the two biggest gossips
1: I know that I've ever met. Are both men?
0: Yeah, it's but, not strictly a female thing, but it is a
1: stereotypically female thing. Right. But, but you'll know who the gossips are, just like you said. You'll you'll know that. Yeah. Those two oh, them. I know absolutely. Yeah, if you know I want
2: everybody to know something, those I tell those guys because they're and that's they're why we went to that else, thing but,
1: because we knew those particular women. And right. and where I work is mostly women, so you're gonna mm-hmm. have that chance that there's gonna be a woman mm-hmm. there. But I knew that those ones—they all have their friends that they talk to there. I think that that might be
2: part of the underlying assumption of because you asked what you know why do men do that.
1: I think it has
3: something to do with power. I think that, that I think that's what it is too. If men want to
2: maintain power over women. Honestly. Knowledge is power. Uh-huh. Yep, and by keeping that information close is one way mm-hmm. to do that's it.
1: That's why no one's telling you as a twelve year old girl. Here's how you. Park the horse trailer, right? Unless they are conscious of of the reasoning, mm-hmm. and that's that's just one of those. It's it's also a stereotypical role thing.
2: But if the stereotype is that women shouldn't be in management, or they shouldn't be lawyers, or they shouldn't be whatever, you know, and you are trying to keep that from them, then keeping the information from them is one way of doing that. And sometimes I have to admit, at least with certain a certain group that I hang out with, <laughs> it is who's sucking whose dick. <laughs> right? Yeah, and there so is that. That is part of it sometimes. But mm-hmm. that's usually not, it's, and it's that's usually not pertinent.
0: The thing, it's but, funny to me that it's not the sexual information. It's not the, the information is not gendered in a lot of cases.
2: Well, that's the thing is the sexual information is almost an excuse to wait to tell you about other things until the women have left. Oh yeah. Well, now that she's gone, I can tell you, let me tell you who's been fucking who. Mm-hmm. And oh, and by the way, this other client wants to do XYZ. Oh, okay. That's the important part mm-hmm. of the conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: it's a it's a power thing. I mean, to be honest, that I can't give specifics. Obviously, in the example, but that example has it's only happened once that I can remember for for certain. But um, the fact that I can remember a particular instance is uh, is kind of striking now that I think about it, mm-hmm. because it means that it's probably happened before that I didn't even notice.
0: Oh, I'm certain it's happened before, and you didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you don't. But at least you acknowledge it.
1: So so good conversations.
0: Yeah. Gender is weird. I still don't like get all of it. Like
1: it is. That's what's kind of, I don't know how
2: you felt, George, but I wonder when we were talking about doing this podcast, I'm like, well, who am I qualified to talk about any of this? Because I was oblivious to half of it, even pre-transition, because I, I mean, I was obviously keyed into the differences in treatment because that was obvious post-transition especially, but I already saw myself as a guy. And so sometimes there was a conflict between how I thought I ought to be treated and how I was actually being treated. But I always felt, I guess, entitled to be treated mm-hmm. that way. you weren't. But I wasn't. And sometimes being as oblivious as I am, sometimes I maybe wasn't as aware as... As tactful
1: as you might have should have been. Or
2: or maybe I was not aware that I wasn't... That things weren't happening because people saw me as female, Mm -hmm. which I I didn't... I have always... I've never felt like I was discriminated against because I was female. And, And part of that might be because I didn't see myself as female. So that couldn't have been the cause. I must have messed something up or there must have been something else. I never thought that that was a reason because I never saw myself as female in the first place
1: Well, wow. and, but I think a lot of women are aware of it. like the one who was mad at you and the boys club
0: and see right. she
1: was very aware right. she was
0: very aware but she was also she also saw herself as female mm-hmm. whereas like I said earlier I don't see myself as female I don't see myself as male I didn't see a lot of these things as gendered I just saw them as effed up right and I'm this a is a
2: person what are you i am a i am, yeah.
0: i am a human being i deserve the same rights as he does what the hell are you doing to me now and i didn't realize that the difference was he gets those rights and i get different treatment because i am not he so like you said you know you don't see a lot of these things as gendered until something happens like transition to point it out
2: Right. Mm -hmm. These perspectives are fascinating because we've got four of us in the room here, very different experiences. And the the Jesus
0: friend is just over there like, oh, this makes me sad. Well,
3: (laughs) I came from from a job previously, before I worked in this agency where George works with mostly women. I I worked in this um, agency previously where I was a clinical team leader. When I was in a meeting, people listened. And when I gave my opinion about a direction we should go, it was usually what would happen. And my view at that time was because I was the clinical team leader. And I was listened to because I had expertise, in my view. Then I make this transition where I'm now a mental health manager in an agency that is responsible for lots of other things besides mental health. But I'm, because of my position, I'm often in these meetings where we're discussing things that have nothing to do with mental health. And I was constantly shocked. I would be in these meetings, you know, a room full of women. And I would start talking and everyone would stop talking. Their heads would turn toward me. And then the conversation, the direction of the conversation would change based on what I said. But I had no competence in that field. And it was such a strange feeling to me to be given all this credibility just because I had a dick. Yep.
0: (laughs) That's all, folks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That, That sums it up.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: I think that's it.
0: I think that's it, too. I'm Jess. You're George. You're the Jesus friend, and you're the lawyer friend, right? Okay. The
3: Jesus friend.
0: Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I identify less and less with that, that I, moniker. I know. You know?
0: I know. Mm-hmm. But that's how that's you okay. were previously. A, a... I'm all right with it. Yes. Okay. Introduced. Yes. So, three seconds of silence, and then are we ready to go, dear?
1: <clears throat> sure. All right. That I went to school for. So.
0: Yes, you yeah. never lose your mental health hat. No. It never goes away. No,
2: so. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. Maybe I could borrow that hat sometime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we didn't say it's his mental health. <laughs> <laughs>